The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. I brought them up here to illustrate the point of conformity, the difficulty in maintaining your own beliefs in the face of others. Now, we all have a great need for acceptance, but you must trust that your beliefs are unique, your own, even though others may think them odd or unpopular, even though the herd may go, that's bad. <laughs> and that's from Dead Poet Society. And, you know, they're laughing there, but how hard is it for any of us to hold our own when a lot of people or important people in our life disagree with us? You know, you might say, this is, I really love this book. And someone says, ooh, how could you ever read that? And you go, oh, I really didn't like it. You kind of, ch- you change your song and you betray yourself every time you do that. Or someone says, um, where, your husband might say, where do you want to go on vacation? Wherever you would like, honey, when it's not the case. There are many places your husband would like to go. Maybe he'd like to go fishing and you don't want to spend the whole vacation fishing. You want to hold on to yourself. You want to be able to value your own mind, your own values, to name them to yourself, to take them out of the closet, dust them off and give them a hug. And I love those values, whatever they are, whether you love gardening, whether you want to go back to school for a new career, whether you're passionate about the career you're currently in and want to grow it, whether you love your kids and take a lot of value in bringing them up properly and really do the research to figure out why you stumble at times. You want to value your own life and that will make you happy. Not sacrificing, not dutifully following what other people want, not conforming, but truly figuring out what you want in life and pursuing your goals, not stepping on other people and not letting them step on you. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness and it's an opportunity for you to talk with me. I'm a clinical psychologist and ask me any question that you would like to get some advice on. And right now I want to turn to the phones and welcome Steve. Steve, you're having some problems feeling a little down and out? Yes, I am. Yeah, and you also have problems because you have a pet that's aging? Yeah. Yeah, um, tell me about how those two go together and what's going on. She she just old. I know that she's old. Okay, she is who? I'm assuming a dog? My, my, or my dog. A I'm dog, sorry. okay. And, and how old is she? Uh, she is roughly nine and a half years old. And what type of dog? That is a really good question. She's cute. That is all I can say. <laughs> okay. Well, we got ours at the pound, so we had uh, we had three dogs. Actually, we've had how many dogs? Four or five? Four dogs over the years, and we had three at once. And um, they were wonderful. Two of them were wonderful mutts. <laughs> so, um, so tell me, uh, what's the depression about? Oh, just every time I look at her, I know that she. <clears throat> excuse me. I know that she's getting old, and I just have a hard time facing losing her. Okay, and so it, you're going. You're th- basically experiencing what in psychology is called grief, but it's anticipatory grief. Whenever you lose a top value, a person, or a pet, a loved pet in your life. And you start to think about life without that pet. If you absolutely love the pet or the person and you don't feel sad, depressed, down and out, there's something wrong with you. So basically, it's proper to feel the grief. 
or the anticipatory grief. You're in, you know, it's proper. And actually that helps your mind cope a little better if you know what's happening. Um, it helps your mind cope better as you, as the loss, when the loss occurs, because you've already done some of the, the uh, making the mental connections that you need to make that this dog won't be with you your whole life. What's your dog's name? Smiley. Smiley. Oh, that's that's hard too. <laughs> so she smiles. She oh, smiles. Yeah. The dog smiles. Is it a a fun, playful dog? Oh yeah, she loves everybody. Everybody's her friend. Yeah. Uh, and every time she looks at me, she gives me a grin. Yeah. And, uh, so you've brought her up well. She's a good kid. Yeah. And that's hard, too, because if some people don't have dogs that are like that, dogs come, like people come in all different varieties, and some dogs snap, they bite, they uh, might let you pet them a little bit, and then they turn on you and growl. And when you... Go ahead. Well, she, uh, you know, she, uh, she's my best friend. Yeah. You know, and she comes to me, and whenever I'm down, she always does something really stupid to make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah, she's not critical of you. No. She's not snapping. One of the values of having a, a pet or a more intelligent pet in terms of, it's you're not telling me you have a goldfish, you know, you have a dog. Right. And it, it, they have a more advanced uh, awareness, a wider range. It's not as, as wide as a human's, obviously. You know, there's a whole different dimension when you bring a human into the picture. But a dog can be so playful and can reflect your own sense of life. And it feels like you both are on the same wavelength. And that's what you've created. So partly you want to feel proud of yourself, Steve, that you've been able to develop this bond with your dog, which tells you what in the future. I'm not sure I follow you. The fact that you, you've you've had your dog for how many years? You said she's nine and a half, but I don't know if you've had her for... About eight years. Eight years. And you've been able to develop a bond with your dog that's playful and joyous and lighthearted and whatever else, whatever other uh, advantages you have with your puppy. You're, it's not right. a puppy, but we called our dogs puppies. And, you know, oh, she is at heart. They were always our puppies. And uh, just like your kids are always your kids, right? And she's, she's your best friend. So you need to allow yourself, number one, to grieve and to know that it's normal, the anticipatory grief. You okay. you need to recognize that you are capable of that bond. Focus on yourself for a moment, that you were capable of creating that bond with the dog, which means that you're capable of creating those types of close bonds. Okay. How might that help you going forward? I, I, can, I can see that, yeah. You want to spell it out clearly. I'm capable of being playful. Do you have friends? Oh, yes, I do. Do yeah. you have that bond with your friends, too? Uh, somewhat, in a joking manner. But, not, you know, my intimate private life yeah. is only shared with my dog. You know, my private thoughts and, and that. You know, my friends... I only have one that I do share with. 
And you can trust that friend? Yes, I can. Phenomenal. Is this a, a male friend or a female friend? A uh, male friend. A male friend. So you want to know about yourself, that the qualities that you bring to the relationship with your dog, you actually have with a buddy. And he may not have that same intimacy of being there every day, but you have a very close friend. Have you been married in the past? or? Yes, I have. Yeah, how old are you now? Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Um, have you considered it again, or I'm assuming? No. No. Okay. So the dog's the substitute companion. Correct. Okay. Um, you know, your dog is in one sense irreplaceable. We had our dog Jason, and we had another dog after that, which we had three other dogs after that. But Jason was unique. Jason was a phenomenal dog, and the other dogs, Sheppy brought, Sheppy was a shepherd, you know, really unusual, brought other, <laughs> other um, qualities to the table. He was my dog, uh, but Shep, uh, Jason was, my husband had a lot more time to connect with Jason. If you have the time, you can eventually get another dog, but that's really not good of me to tell you that now because it's like telling someone who's going through the death of a loved one, oh, you can remarry in the future. Right. So um, I I want you to know that you have the capacity to develop friendships, and you can consider even getting closer with your buddy. Okay. Okay, and know that it's grief. Know that you'll have many tearful moments and that that's normal. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome, Steve. Thank you for the call. Thank you. You're welcome. And if you're a person who's under a lot of stress because of maybe a lot of demands at work or at home, in your life in different ways, um, I want to give you a few ways to cope with that stress. When we, we return, I'll be talking with Dr. Ed Locke, an expert on stress and coping, and we'll discuss some ways to help you cope with the stress in your life. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner on The Rational Basis of Happiness. Toll free, one eight seven seven drkenner I'll be back. I be laughing a bit too loud, that never hurt no one. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by Dr. Ellen Kenner. It can be legitimately upsetting if you are not a top priority in your partner's hierarchy of values. Suppose your spouse loves hiking and mountain climbing and spends all of his or her spare time in those activities, leaving little time for you. The situation makes a successful romantic relationship unlikely. However, there's no right amount of time you should spend with your loved one. Partners have different preferences and tolerances. Some need time alone, and others need a lot of contact. If one or both partners feels neglected or abandoned, this will be a source of conflict. Resolving the conflict requires that partners discuss their preferences, communicate frankly and openly, and come to a mutually satisfactory agreement, and then strive to keep it. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.